Welcome to the Expert Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. One of the sequelae of the massive changes that the pandemic has brought into our lives is the enormous increase in psychiatric conditions and, in large part, anxiety. Of course, other psychiatric conditions are very much at play as well. Andy Rosen is a psychologist in Palm Beach County in Florida who has specialized for years in the treatment and understanding of anxiety disorders, and he graciously agreed to discuss some of these with us and other concerns on how good help can be obtained at this particular time. Dr. Rosen, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me, Abby. Traditional psychotherapy looks at anxieties with the time to understand its etiology, outline its characteristics, and either offer behavioral therapies or insight therapies to deal with the condition. Things are different now. How would you begin the therapeutic process now, sir? What What are your thoughts? Okay, so the first thing I do in this particular time that we're in is put aside the more traditional techniques or approaches that one might take as a psychologist or psychiatrist and, and not necessarily focus in on the things that we normally do when somebody contacts me. I put aside the individual psychology approach and first deal with the fact that this is a world event and how one experiences this world event can have very little to do with their history, their psychology, their problems, their biological issues. It has, I think, first and foremost to do with how everybody's experiencing this world event. Before I get into understanding that particular individual's diagnosis or history or neurosis, if you will, the first thing I do is try to get a picture from the individual as to how they're experiencing this world event, meaning do they have a reasonably logical understanding of it? Do they have some basic picture as to what is happening and in a factual basis? Or are they experiencing it in a very distorted way based on the hyperbole of the news and sometimes misinformation from friends who think they know everything? So I try to get a picture. Is, is this person dealing with this world event in a reasonably logical way where they understand it? Or are they really off the charts in terms of their perception of it? Because first, that has to be dealt with. The first thing I do is get an understanding as to what do they know about what's going on and where do they get their information and how accurate is it? And then how are they dealing with it situationally? Uh, are they in denial? Do they disregard so much of what we're being told we're supposed to do to be safe? Or are they extreme in terms of overreacting to it and feeling like everything is doom and gloom and we'll never get out of this? Those are the kind of issues that I first deal with. and try to give some feedback as to the more logical or even scientific understanding of it would be so that very often just the facts calm a person down. Many people call and they really have a very distorted view of what is going on. So to the best of my ability, based on my understanding of it, I try to impart that to them so that I can get a sense as to whether they're capable of calming down if they understand really what's going on in a, in a logical, objective way. From there, then I'll look at maybe some of the background issues that might be making it more difficult for this particular individual to cope in some optimal way. And that could be previous history of trauma. It could be situations that have happened more recently. For instance, somebody who has gone through loss or major changes in their life or is alone may have a harder time dealing with it than somebody who has other resources. So 
it's important to get that background information, not only the, the situational factors, but the psychological history, biological history, and that takes time. It's not something you can necessarily get done in one hour. One of the things that's bothering me a great deal is that, at least from what I'm seeing in my email inbox, is a number of people, and they may be good people, they may be well-intended. One of the things that really is of concern, and I'm sure everybody is seeing it, is that our email boxes are full of organizations offering online counseling for coronavirus-related anxiety. Some of these may be very good organizations. The problem is we don't have the time to really get to know them. And I'm very concerned when I see something that says a 30-minute free, keyword free, Mm -hmm. counseling sessions to deal with anxiety. You just listed a number of things incredibly important to understand what's going on. It can't be done in 30 minutes. How would a person get a sense of, are they with someone that's good? When when would they know, how would they determine if this is a good road for them to follow? I I, I don't have an easy answer for that. I'd love to hear your, your thoughts about it. Well, I, I think to some degree we can apply some of the parameters that we normally do when somebody is looking for good help. And that is search for somebody or uh, react to somebody if it's if it's out there on the internet. React to people or search for somebody who has the basic good credentials, meaning you know an advanced degree in the in the mental health field. Somebody who ideally will have some background in treating anxiety, because this is an anxiety kind of experience. And somebody who, if you do make contact with them, seems like they have a reasonable understanding and strategy has to go about doing this in one 30-minute session. To me, it's doubtful that one can do anything in a 30-minute session other than kind of steer somebody into a better situation, more like a triage system. Where can this person get better help or, or some help? They're kind of like a coupon, and you have to make sure that the person who's sending out the coupon that it's a legitimate person who has good training. I like the idea of triage. I never thought of it quite like that, but that's what it is. The first session or two or three is is triage to find out if it's a good mix and if you are the right person to do this. One of the things yeah. that just always bothers me, and I will probably take some heat for saying this, but after 9-11, a number of local psychotherapists all flew up mm-hmm. to New York City, and they were going to help with post-traumatic stress disorder. No, they're up there for two days, and they leave these poor people hanging. And I just don't want to see that started. And I, I don't know if the mental health community has addressed that adequately enough yet, because I think it's a... I don't think they've addressed it at all yet. I mean, I think the mental health community should be doing several things. It should be, first and foremost, taking care of the already existing patients who are suffering in addition because of this, and then dealing with the potentially new patients who are suffering from anxiety and problems, either because they've been directly hit by the illness in the family, or they're just in a little bit more peripheral way being terrified by what's going on. I think to help that second and third group, there's already a really, I think, a very adequate outreach by organizations who already have a history of treating people with anxiety disorders such as the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. They're doing a tremendous job reaching out, and the members of the association on a state-by-state basis are reaching out. These are people who already have demonstrated efficacy, history, training in dealing with 
this kind of a problem. And this kind of a problem is probably the most severe anxiety that one can have. It's, it's not just anxiety about one's own life. It's an anxiety about a whole world and society. And are we going to be here? So you need to know what you're doing to treat this. One of the things that I have learned more and more over the years is the prevalence of obsessive compulsive disorders, people who need to be in control. And a lot of their anxiety, and I've seen this when I'm treating people, they come in, they're talking about anxiety, and after a while I'm saying, no, 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 no. The core is not anxiety per se. It's the need to mm -hmm. control obsessive compulsive disorder. Your right. thoughts about that, please, sir? Well, it's interesting. I actually was in an article that was done by a reporter in the Washington Post a couple of weeks ago about anxiety related to the COVID. But what I found, you know, obviously it's not a huge number, but with good number of my patients who have obsessive compulsive disorder about health-related issues and fears of getting sick and contamination, they happen to be doing better than the other patients. Really? At first it was kind of a puzzle, but then it, when I would talk to them about that, I said, well, you know, I've been in this mode for my whole life. I've been dealing with preparation and being on guard and being careful and washing or contamination fears. I've been doing this all my life. So I'm already kind of, I've been in wartime status forever. So for those people, it's an interesting phenomenon that the, the jump from where they normally are to this is not as great as the people who already kind of thought they had control and all of a sudden they realize they don't. Some people that you would think should be doing worse, they really happen to be doing better. It's an interesting twist. I think a lot of people would not, that wouldn't come to mind so quickly. Mm -hmm. One of the other things that I find, shall we say, challenging is that a lot of people are going to go into anxiety states because of real financial or other conditions. We don't have the ability to fix that. One of the things that just bothers me, and I think it's going to be another aspect of, of the challenge in front of us, is a lot of people are becoming anxious over real things, like running out of money, like not being able to get groceries or medicines or, or, or whatever. And yes. we can be supportive, we can soothe, but we have to be careful that we don't overpromise. And because right. I think that'll take away our credibility. And I, I just, uh, if someone calls you and you hear that that's the situation, what would be an advisable way to talk to them or at least start? It's hard. It's, I know it's hard. One thing I do is, is try to help them normalize it and not feel additionally ashamed or defective because of their fears and anxieties about these things. Meaning that, yeah, why wouldn't you be anxious? Everybody's anxious about this. That That's part one to kind of realize we're all in the same boat that way. And that could be either calming to hear that or for some people that could be, oh my God, we're all in, we're all, we're all in a mess. But I do think that's part that you need to hear that, that it's, it's a normal worry. But I also say that worry is supposed to trigger problem-solving behavior. Hmm. It's not just something that's supposed to be a recycling event every minute. It's supposed to, if we have a problem and we're worrying about it, what can we do, if at all possible, to do some problem solving? And that becomes empowering. Even if what the problem solving behavior doesn't necessarily feel, you know, it's the big solution, but if, if it can do something, then it feels to the person like, okay, I'm having some influence over the problem. And I think whether it's money or getting the groceries, instead of, because a lot of times people, when they worry, they just get immobilized. So if they can transform it into problem solving, well, maybe they'll spend a little bit more time figuring out where they can get that food or that delivery from. Or if it's about money, maybe they can do a little bit more figuring out how can they either save money or maybe there's money out there to be found 
in terms of assistance, you know, anything that can make them feel like they're doing something other than just being immobile. It's turning from being immobilized to enacting something and engaging in something, a way to get out of this. One of the things that bothers me enormously, and I was reading some information from Britain that the Brits are already beginning to see, is the increased rise in domestic violence and people are afraid. Uh, That's hard for us to do if someone calls and said, my husband is getting out of control. I guess there's a line where we might have to just say, I can't deal with this on the phone. You need to call the police. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't experienced that yet with any patients. The degree of bickering and irritability has definitely increased a bunch, but not where I've experienced that. Now, of course, what people do in this situation, at least some people, they rely more on alcohol. Yes. And certainly that can make that more possible, what you just described. But yeah, at some point, it just has to be, we need the authorities. I heard somebody say the other day, and I wish it was my my thought, but it's not, and I'm plagiarizing, who said that it's a funny thing in our country right now. We have more liquor than we have toilet paper. (laughs) That's true. It just caught me as catching perhaps something that we in the mental health field have to reconcile with. So we could talk about this endlessly, but to kind of summarize, if someone is having anxiety and they call you or they call to one of the telemedicine counseling groups, off the top of your head, and you touched this earlier on, but off the top of your head, how do they know they're with a good group? How do they know that it is good for them? Can we give them any rule of thumb advice knowing that there are a thousand variables, but to the best that we can offer? Again, I would go back to what I said before. I think we shouldn't deviate too much from what does work, and that is ask what's your training and your credential. Okay. And how long have you been dealing with anxiety? And is this your is this what you primarily do? And unfortunately, you know, Abby, if you go on the websites of many mental health professionals, they specializing in, and then there's a 50 oh, yes. things they specialize in. To me, I, I don't understand how those two things go together. But I think if you're looking for help, instead of just accepting the first coupon that comes your way, go on the internet and look for people in your area that are doing telemedicine and look at their credentials and look at what their experience is. If they say they primarily specialize in work with anxiety and if they're part of associations that are about anxiety disorders, then I think you're in the right place. If it's somebody who says they do everything, look, there's a lot of people out there now that say they're in the mental health field and they're really not in the mental health field. They're peripheral. So just like anything, go to the experts. Go where you know you're going to get the best care. Who's got the best credentials and who's been doing it longer? And just to conclude with a psychiatric perspective, Mm -hmm. is that not everybody needs a benzodiazepine. And that is something that needs to be discussed and carefully evaluated. There is a time and place for the medications. But what I like about talking to you is that if someone can do this without the medications or with better insight and understanding of their own conditions, the psychological approach, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. And I don't want it to be dismissed. I just don't. So Andy Rosen is a psychologist in Palm Beach County, and he has been dealing with anxiety disorders for as many years as I know him, which is many years. (laughs) And I do appreciate your comments and observations. And be careful, ladies and gentlemen and children and grandparents, as you begin to do this. I'm delighted to see so many of our profession reaching out to help. We just want to make sure that what you get is um, what you're expecting to get. Dr. Rosen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Abby. Good to talk to you.